All right. Hi, Kristen. This is Kelly Hi. from the Red All Over podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Fantastic. I am thrilled to be talking with you. I don't know if you listen to our podcast, but Beth is way up there on my list of favorite characters on the show. Uh, Aw, thank you. Yes. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, easily my favorite, Martha, which would be a great name for a spinoff. <laughs> it would. It sounds like kind of like a 60s you know, type of type of show. My favorite, Martha. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I'm sure being <laughs> said in Gilead, it would not be horrifying at all. Uh, no, not at all. Perfectly, perfectly happy, jolly. <laughs> so my co-host Molly and I were very unclear on exactly what happened to Beth in the season three finale. We weren't sure if she survived. And we're curious right. if you know. Can you tell us? Um well, as far as I know, Beth is safe. I actually, that was kind of a question in my mind as much as it is in yours, um, you know, because uh, in the scene when a bunch of people, when a bunch of the women get shot, they're like, who who went down and who, who didn't? Um, mm-hmm. But um, if you can see when Lizzie, or sorry, when June <laughs> uh, gets up and kind of sacrifices herself to run off and distract the guardians, um, you can see, like, Beth looking down, still alive, in a bit of a scared state, kind of wondering what he's doing. Okay, so, great. So that little shot gave me gave me the hope that <laughs> Beth's still kicking. Um, and from from what the director said, you know, that we're, I'm still alive. So we'll okay, see, we'll see what happens. You never know. <laughs> Thank God, we're not losing Beth. We're not losing the pesto. This is great news <laughs> for season four. <laughs> yeah, people got to eat, right? You know, people absolutely. In more ways than one. <laughs> right, yes. I mean, if you can have anything in Gilead, at least you can have some, some tasty food to yes. take off the edge. <laughs> so it looks like you're one of several Canadian actors who work on the Handmaid's Tale TV show, and we're curious, yeah. what does it mean to you to be part of this adaptation of probably the best-known Canadian novel in the Western canon by Margaret Atwood? I mean, it's 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 huge. It's so great to put Canada on the map in a bigger way, um, literally and figuratively. Um, you know, Margaret Atwood is always a name that I knew growing up. She's, you know, she's one of those novelists that you would study in school. I mean, Amanda Brugel told me that she read Handmaid's Tale in school, and it was one of her favorite books. Um, and Amanda's also Canadian, so I think it's so it's so wonderful to see such um, intelligent almost prophetic Canadian voice coming to the forefront and to get mm-hmm. to work on it. So it's really, it's really cool experience. And I'm super proud of, of you know, such a, a wonderful Canadian author making such a, a beautiful piece and it getting to be heard all over the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. We're proud of you too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we saw Beth working at Jezebel's for a couple of episodes in season one. Um, and yep. then I completely freaked out when I realized that Beth was now at Commander Lawrence's. Yeah. When did you find out that Beth would be a recurring character? Um, well, when I first got the job, they they said, you know, two episodes. I guess that puts it in the recurring category, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, once once you're more than one. Um, but they did say kind of, you know, there's talks of this character coming back if 
the show gets a season two, which is so funny mm-hmm. to think about it because, you know, it's like, of course it's going to get a season two. It's brilliant. Right, right. Um, <laughs> at that time, nobody knew, right? They were, you know, it was a, it was a new project. And so, so I had, I, I kind of held on to that, you know, it was like an email from casting. And so when season two came around, um, I was, you know, I've, I've, I've said this word a few times. I was like pining, pining for the show. I was like, are they going to call? <laughs> um, right, right. <laughs> Right, and then um, and then and then it, you know Beth didn't come back in season two, so I was like, that's cool. You know, it's great that I got to be um, a small part of such an amazing project. Um, and then, sorry, sounds like a weird bang just happened outside my house. I was like, did I leave a door open? Um, <laughs> um, so I'm like, what's happening outside? And uh, so yeah, so then when I got the call about season three, I was I was actually in Chicago working on another project, and it was back in maybe the summer of last year, and. And my Canadian agent, you know, told me, hey, they want you back in, like, a bigger way. And here's kind of – she gave me a little bit of information on the storyline. I may or may not have cried in a hotel lobby when I got when I got that call. Oh, tears of joy. So it was really exciting, you know, because I, I loved Beth from the beginning. And I was like, you know what, even if they bring me back for one scene to say one word, I'd be honored because it's just such a beautiful story and – She's kind of a badass character, so I didn't really want to let her go. So it was great. Great I got to, you know, play her again. Awesome. Yeah, crying in a hotel lobby, that's very relatable content for me. So <laughs> I, <think. laughs> I feel like everyone has, right? At some point in their life. We've all, we've all done it. <laughs> yes, indeed. So you mentioned your colleague, Amanda, whose name yeah. we've probably been mispronouncing. We've been calling her Bruegel and not Bruegel. So sorry, right. Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah, um, it happens. I get mispronunciations in my name, too. Yeah. So we have heard that she gets into character as Rita physically by putting rocks in one of her shoes. And we were curious if there's anything that you do, like any physical adjustments you make or any rituals that you have to get into character when you're playing death. Interesting. Yeah, actually, um, she was telling me about that when we got to work together on the finale. Um, and I was like, gosh, that's a really cool idea. Like, I'm thought of anything like a rock that's that's uh that's something maybe I'll try in the next role but I think for Beth uh-huh. like I, I I think I put you know a, it was more in the way that Beth walked and and how she speaks um I kind of wanted to add like a bit of a rough around the edges vibe to her and this mm-hmm. like shell over top of actually you know this kind of vulnerable rational woman um and so it was really kind of in how she walked and how how she talked, um, you know, I kind of wanted to add a little bit of, not like a New York flair to her, but a little bit of like a bluntness in her speech pattern mm-hmm. and a speaking at the side of her mouth. And so that kind of helped me drop into character was really just like her rhythm and how she, how, you know, her, her, her body. Um, but nothing as cool as rocks. So I'm taking up, <laughs> up, up by Amanda's really cool plan and, and try it on the next one. Very cool. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, I think part of the reason that I love Beth so much is that I see myself in her so much, so shout out all of my podcast listeners, I'm like, you're going to get to know the real me real quick, but just see, (laughs) you know, Beth has such a pragmatic approach to life in Gilead, and, Mm -hmm. you know, she kind of doesn't take any shit from anybody, Um Mm. But at the same time, you can still see, you know, that being part of this regime and being oppressed by it has taken such a toll. So I just, you know, 
I feel like, you know, they, they have these, you know, there's like BuzzFeed quizzes and, and threads and some of the discussion groups that I kind of sometimes question the appropriateness of it. Like, who would you be in Gilead? Um, <laughs> it's like the sex in the city thing. They're like, are you sure? Exactly. It's like, <laughs> ew, that's just arena. But definitely, you know, I think for me, Beth is like the epitome of the person that I hope I would be if I was in that situation. Yeah. So I just want to thank you personally for giving me like such an awesome fictional role model for a disability. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I mean, that, I mean, that like warms my whole, my whole soul because oh, you know, that's what you set out to do as an actor. And it's like, it's rare to get to play something, you know, that's just so relevant and can relate to people in mm-hmm. the real, real in the world. And so the fact that that resonated with you, is amazing, and I have to give credit to the writers. They wrote that really well. They made my job really easy, so you have to give credit to that. But yeah, yeah, they're know. amazing. We've talked to a couple of them on the podcast before, and we're just like huge fans. I mean, obviously, we really have people, a podcast right? about like, the show. <laughs> oh no, it's great! I absolutely love it. This is, this is fantastic. Your enthusiasm. You probably you could probably inform like if if Beth comes back in season four, maybe I could call you guys and you could you know be be my uh, information portals. You can just tell me anything. Yeah, absolutely. I bet you would probably know more about the show than even, you know, the cast. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like, just give us a call. We'll create a password-protected wiki, and we will hook you up. Uh, (laughs) Sounds great. Speaking of hookups, we do not know much about Beth's backstory, apart from the fact that Mm -hmm. she is a James Beard Award-winning chef from Mm -hmm. pre-Gilead, and she was Nick's Jezebel hookup in more ways than one, she hooked him up with contraband <laughs> and, um, you know, sexy fun times. Um, <laughs> at least we're assuming they were sexy fun times. It seemed like they had a really great chemistry. And I'm curious, you know, when you're playing Beth, how does her previous relationship and interactions with Nick color her interactions then with Nick and June? She spends so much more time with June in season three. Yeah, it's an interesting, that's an interesting question for sure. Um it's one of those things I almost feel like at first she's really kind of tough on June because from the beginning she was aware of the fact that she was the one who called out Nick being, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so she's kind of that like, it's a weird relationship with Nick because they're like friends and she's almost got a motherly thing with him. But then they're also kind of, they have a very interesting closeness where she's that confidant with him. So they have this mm-hmm. like platonic slash sexy relationship. Um, and so she's yes, very like it out. season one of Dawson's Creek. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, taking it way back. I think that it definitely informs her relationship with June because, you know, when she first sees her, uh, when they're in the same household in season three, she knows exactly who she is. And she knows that Nick was taking risks loving this woman. And um, I think that kind of created... Oh, well, I think Beth has walls up from the beginning. You know, she doesn't trust a lot of people, but that kind of added, like, an extra wall and harshness towards um, June, which kind of, you know, led her into certain lines that may or may not be supportive from woman to woman in this oppressive regime, like the blowjob line in episode two, um, mm-hmm. where she says, like, must have been some blowjob. You know, I think, like, that kind of maybe there was a slight bit of envy and distrust, which led her kind of not to be super supportive of her. But then it kind of moves into this almost sisterly bond. Like, I think there's some interesting dynamic when two women have shared the same man. It's like they're they're one degree away, you know, of separation and, and kind of having an intimate experience with one person. So for some reason, like, they've both 
had a special relationship with a man in this regime where most of the men are very oppressive towards the women. And Nick, such an interesting character, you know, comes off as this compassionate guy. So they both kind of have that connection with him in that way. So I think it weirdly bonds them once kind of the walls come down in a funny way, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and I think you bring up a really interesting point because Nick in so many ways I think is the guy that both commanders, Waterford and Lawrence, like think they are. They both think (laughs) that they're treating women as people, right? But Nick, as far as we can tell, I mean, there's still a lot of question marks when it comes to Nick, um, especially given what we learn about him in season three. But it's just like, you know, he actually is treating these women with respect and recognizing Mm -hmm. their humanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he absolutely is. And I think that's why it's just kind of... uh, crazy to see the path that it takes with his character you know he he, he he's very good at kind of playing both sides mm-hmm. almost into like a narcissist category of like you know, yeah i mean i love him and then he's this complete like you know villain on the other side of it right i'm just i'm very curious to see what happens with the we didn't check in with nick in the finale so it's just like okay like last we saw he was yeah. on his way to chicago so I guess right. he's gonna, yeah. like, you know, join an improv troupe and work out his feelings. <laughs> Maybe he will. He's probably feeling pretty conflicted because he's like loving all these <laughs> ladies, and then he goes to Chicago and he's leading the troops in in a in a you know in this war. So it's, mm-hmm. it's he definitely probably needs some therapy. I'll definitely say that <laughs> for sure. Well, I think I don't think anybody in Gilead would not benefit from therapy. Oh, no, no, the trauma goes miles deep. The therapist would make lots of money off of the characters in Juliet. Absolutely, or chocolate tokens. <laughs> Is there a favorite episode or scene that you worked on in the show? Hmm, gosh. Um, I would say one of my favorite scenes was in episode 12 with uh, with Lizzie, with June, um, when she, when Beth is basically saying, you're fucking fantastic. Uh, Billy's in. And um, actually a little bit of the end of that scene ended up being cut. But um, what was beautiful is that was kind of one of the first moments where the two women, you know, really reached like a level of intimacy where there's this unspoken female knowledge of like, okay, you did what you had to do. I'm not going to ask any questions, but like I'm here for you. And Mm -hmm. I respect you when she notices the bruise. Um, on her face. There, I, I don't know if actually, I can't remember if the question actually made the cut, but there was a question that said, um, you know, what'd you do? And she kind of, you know, just has a, uh, June has a kind of quirky response. But I think there's mm-hmm. just a really beautiful sh- uh, scene to shoot um, and to find kind of like an intimate understanding between these women who are like doing what they have to do to survive in this mm-hmm. crazy place. So I, I thought that was beautiful. And in terms of favorite episodes, I mean, episode two was so fun for me because I got to come back and, and do so much and, and, and um, mm-hmm. get to work with, you know, the great Elizabeth Moss and um, get to have a lot, a lot to do with kind of starting the dialogue of the resistance. And, and being kind of the storyteller of the Martha's and the resistance in that. So that was super exciting for me to have that entryway. Um, yeah, I mean, that was really the big introduction to the Martha network, or as we call them, the Martha Mafia um, <laughs> in Gilead. Because we, you know, we've, we've literally heard whispers about their whisper network. Um, but that was right. really the first time that we got to go behind the scenes with the Martha's and see how they take care yeah. of business. 
which is yeah, efficiently yeah. and well. I they're they're brilliant, right? They're super efficient. I mean, muffins as like messages, you know. I I think they're they're pretty 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 uh, crafty ladies. Did they give you like a breakdown of like all of the different? Was there like a like a code sheet of like this is what all the different bakers mean, or is it just what we've heard from the script? <laughs> It was just at this point, just what we've heard from the script. But I think that'd be awesome. It sounds like a set list or something. Well, yeah, I'm like, hopefully, hopefully there'll be like a companion book or something, and the writers can put in like, <laughs> here's here's like our crazy like cocktail napkin where we wrote down what all of the different baked goods mean. Yeah, yeah, you're like cookies mean hell no. Yeah, it's uh, it would be really fun to to understand all the messages because I'm, I'm sure they have, I'm sure every food has to represent something if that's your mm-hmm. way of speaking. Well, uh, we know, I mean, we've heard really many times, you know, nothing in the show and nothing in Gilead is by accident, so I'm sure they're very intentional about it. Well, yeah, what's interesting is I had actually one of the ADs send me a text recently with like an album cover of Martha and the Muffins. I guess <gasps> they're band. And then on the album cover, there's, like, a map of Toronto. So I was like, you guys are so brilliant. Like, they must have, the writers must have made, I mean, they must have made a connection to that. I don't know if that was inspiration for it. But when we saw that, my mind was, like, slightly blown because I was just, oh, my gosh. Very, very cool to see that they're referencing, you know, things from from that far back. I think it was probably like an album in the 1970s. I'm not sure. I have to look it up, but I have to listen to I'm, the song. I have to listen to the track. I'm, gonna say, I'm really stoked to like get into this uh, musical rabbit hole. This is exciting. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, it'd be fun to have a musical episode while we're at it. You know, oh my gosh, like yeah. The, the dance, the <laughs> dance thing, the dance, the uh, choreographed dance that they had. I wasn't there on the day they were shooting those, and I definitely oh, had some, some, you know, FOMO missing. missing yeah, I was gonna out. say that's some very serious Gilead FOMO. Yeah, definitely. I definitely was like, guys, can we maybe like give it another go? I, I made up a like a Martha song. I was like, maybe we could throw in the song. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, tight schedule. Couldn't couldn't get it in. Maybe next week. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, luckily there's a four season, so you know you can like start early and be like, I'm gonna plan this one, so I can't be left out. <laughs> Musical episode, anybody? Uh, yeah, so lots of fun. What's the set like? Can you tell us anything about the vibe? And, like, is there a group text that all the Marthas are in? Oh, my gosh, that would be pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> if we could get a little Martha WhatsApp, Martha Mafia WhatsApp. Yeah. Um, the set's great. I mean, it's it's such a amazing set to be on because everybody's so brilliant. You know, you walk in and, and everything is done with such attention to detail, um, and there's all these powerhouse women on the set and and women and men, but it's just, you know, it's very, it's led by such a strong team of people. And then, you know, in between takes, like everyone's down for a laugh. And I think mm-hmm. it has to be that way with such, you know, such dark subject matter to be able to find the levity in between takes. And so, you know, definitely once the cameras, you know, once the director said cut, you'll have Lizzie and Bradley popping jokes on the side and Bradley Mm -hmm. impression. You know, um, everyone is like one big family and and super lovely and and definitely like find a way to make things fun in between takes. But then when it comes to making, you know, making the scenes happen, there's this incredible attention to detail and focus and artistry that was such an honor to be able to be a part of and to watch. So it was a really cool, cool experience to get to be on that set for sure. 
Amazing. Um, so in episode 12, uh, Chuelo tells Serena that Toronto has great pizza. And we were wondering, <laughs> can you tell us what your favorite Toronto pizza is? Some of our listeners, our redheads, have chimed in, but we're curious to see what you think. Gosh, gosh. I mean, I haven't had pizza in Toronto in so long, but I can say, like, I live in L.A. now, and I've lived here for about seven years, and no offense to L.A., but they pizza in Toronto is better. Gosh, I'm trying to think of, like, one good pizza spot. I can't I can't think of anything right now, and I'm kind of... Bitter. No worries. Not a problem. Um, but we definitely, it was like, a left had field our question. We didn't give you time to press. <laughs> no, but we've got, like, we've got, like, our standard, you know, pizza there, which is not going to be your, your New York stuff life, but... Yeah. In a, but it's, on a, look, in it's a, really great if you're, like, out eat? drinking on the weekend. Like, just find a that's pizza, pizza, pizza and you'll be all set. Absolutely. Yeah, pizza pizza or like your friendly poutine shop, like uh, is it smoked poutinery or poutinis, you're, and, you're, and you're all set. <laughs> so, oh, wait, great oh, wait, I just for... thought of one. I just thought of one. There it goes. Um, Super Point Pizza. So rad. It's on Ossington, okay. and it's got this like really cool kind of almost like video game 80s retro vibe. You know, you can walk in and grab a slice at the counter, or you can go in the back and have a really nice cocktail and... and and some pizza super points one of my favorite spots to go to. There it is. We found it in the in the in the deep depths of the mine. <laughs> Beautiful. We'll add it to our pizza tour of Toronto that we're planning. Yes, do it. Uh, <laughs> and so this is a question that we ask everybody from the show um, who mm-hmm. comes on the podcast because it is such a heavy show. First of all, what's your favorite chick flick? And then <laughs> okay. what's your favorite what's your favorite method of self care? Oh, yeah, good question. Um, I would have to say Bridesmaids. I mean, that movie, I, I was I was um, living in a house shooting a show uh, when that movie, I believe that's when that movie came out, and I was living in this house um, just outside of Cape Town, and I swear, I'm going to sound like a total dork by admitting this, but I swear I thought it was, like, haunted. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I don't know why, I think, like... I, I I would always hear stuff in the night, and I was just I, I so to make myself fall asleep, I would watch Bridesmaids, and it made me so happy every night, and and ended up like memorizing half the movie because I would <laughs> I would watch it before bed because it would just like cheer me up and, and and get me to stop being a you know superstitious dork and assuming there was a ghost in the house I was living in. Uh, me or maybe. That's- Kristen Wiig is a ghost repellent. I mean, I don't think we should like discount that theory. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean, I'd like to be best friends with Kristen Wiig. So if she mm-hmm. be my friend and repel ghosts, that would be yeah, the birds right there with one stone. I mean, I think if somebody's a good friend, they should repel ghosts. You know, I feel like that's I, just like part of the friendship should. contract. Yeah, bring the sage over and a bottle of wine. Um, what is it in the in bridesmaids? She's like wine and magazine party. <laughs> you know, they have a wine mm-hmm. stage and magazine party <laughs> all at once. That would be that would be the best night ever, I'd say. Beautiful. Um, I can see that this would be a great web series, like smudging with Kristen Wiig. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be great. I would be a guest in a heartbeat if she'd have me. That'd okay, awesome. cool. I bring the Palo Santo. Wow, I didn't I'm gonna I'm gonna start taking some meetings and pitching this around, and I'll have my people call your people. <laughs> Great, sounds like an absolute plan. <laughs> <laughs> so we are just about out of time. 
Um, sure. Where can our listeners find you online? And are there any projects you have coming up that they should be on the lookout for? Yeah, you can find me um, uh, at Kristen Gatoski, uh, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-G-T-O-S-K-I-E. There you got the spelling. Just um, <laughs> you know, it's a long name. Um, and or, or on kristengatoski.com. Um, but that um, is my handle, Kristen Gatoski, for all my stuff. Um, and I'm also working on releasing some music right now. So if you want to get updates on that, you can find me at Lee Grove, which is my music name. Um, and then um, for other projects, I'm currently shooting Chicago Fire on NBC back this season, which is fun. I uh, headed off to do that in a few days. And um, and then um, producing and acting in a film called Busker with Ryan Leeson and uh, trying to get, yeah, get my production hat on with that one. So we're hoping to get into production in the next few months with that project. And we're also writing a musical for stage. So lots going on. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like you and I are at the same level of multitasking. So I'm going to forward you this article I'm reading about chronic stress. I'm sure you can find something (laughs) useful in it. Yes, getting back to that self-care question is unimportant thing when you have the multitasker Virgo mind that I have, Mm -hmm. regular meditation. Are you you a Virgo sun sign? Oh, yes. I'm one of cusp. I'm a Leo Virgo. I don't know. Are Are you a Virgo as well? Uh, I am a Scorpio Sun, uh, Virgo Ascendant, and then I have a Capricorn Moon. So it's very oh, regimented, <laughs> but vengeful, you know? It's just like I'm very organized, but also revenge. Yes, I hear you. I hear you. I definitely have some of those qualities as well. But yeah, you gotta got to get the self-care in to manage that, that organized regimen. Absolutely. Side. <laughs> All right. Well, it has been such a pleasure chatting with you. I really appreciate you making the time and enjoy uh, all of your great projects coming up. And we are going to keep an eagle eye out for you in season four. Oh, great. Thank you so much. It was great. Thanks so much, Kristen. All right. Have a good Bye-bye. night. Bye. Bye.